And we're back. And so this is the portion of the show that we do the adoption portion. And so I'm actually with a person that I respect a great deal today. My guest on the show is a financial coach. He's got some great, great products. He'll explain some of those when we bring him on. Uh, he's a financial coach who has some unique products that a lot of the public hasn't even heard of yet. Uh, and I'm going to bring him up. Uh, but the thing that you need to know about my, my host is, is he's somebody that truly enjoys helping others, uh, both as a coach of coaches, but also as the, the public needs the education and to know how best to invest their money. And so I want to make sure that Carlo made it on the call. Can you hear me okay, Carlo? I'm here, brother, loud and clear. Awesome, awesome. Well, Carlo, if you want to introduce yourself, let us know which company you're working with and what services you can provide, and uh, kind of help us out with understanding a couple of your favorite products. So let's start with uh, who you are and where, where you're working and uh, what you're doing. Okay, thanks, man. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be here, man. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, it's always good to network and, and build relationships with like-minded people, man, so it's a pleasure to be on here. Uh, uh, my name is Carlos Salgado, and uh, I'm kind of founder and owner of Difference uh, Financial and Insurance Services. Uh, we are a company that started in July 2011 uh, with just a handful of people. Uh, we're now about 50. So we've grown pretty well in the, in the last five plus years. And uh, we're just grateful to be where we're at. Uh, we see such a shift in the economy right now. And our whole approach was, I mean, a lot of people have heard of, of big broker dealers such as a Merrill Lynch, a Morgan Stanley, a Charles Schwab. You know, great companies, companies that have been around a long time. Um, we are very similar to these companies. Uh, the major difference between us is more of the market that we focus on. Uh, they tend to focus on upper echelon, top 2%, people that make $250,000 or more per year. Uh, we're more very, you know, focused on middle-class America. Pretty much the 98% of people that do not understand how money works at this current time. Um, the, you know, they don't teach this stuff in school. You know, you can go to college right now, get a great education, but you can graduate and still not know the difference between a Roth IRA and a 401k. You know, so mm -hmm. for us, uh, we feel that the best, you know, solution was to go out there and build a business that is totally centered around financial education, financial literacy, and by bringing that value to the market, especially in middle-class America, we can then open doors to help everyday people who don't have tons of money to invest. I mean, I'd say our average client is saving anywhere between, you know, 300 to $1,000 a month, um, which is very nominal compared to the top 2%. And that's mostly everybody, you know. So that's really our focus is to be an advocate, to be someone that can, you know, create uh, an environment where people can come and safely learn how does money work. And uh, so what we do, uh, we focus right now a lot on uh, index platform, meaning that a lot of our products and services are index strategies. And what that means in a nutshell is a lot of our products are tied to the market, in this case the S&P 500 index, where middle class people can put money in because the biggest fear that people have with investing is losing money. So our, pro our products are tied to the market where they can go earn a great positive return. For example, we have one product right now, right, that you can go earn up to 12.5%, but if the market crashes, you never lose a dime of that money. Phenomenal. And so that is a, yeah, so it's a, it's a big deal, you know, and, and specifically for the market that we're serving. So we really know our market. We know our niche. 
Um, and that's really what we're focused on. That's great. You know, it's, uh, it, it hits me as the, the thing that is the best model for business today, and that's provide high value first. And your high value that I see it is, is the education piece uh, to allow others to make uh, educated, uh, educated uh, decisions and not, uh, not trust the, you know, when you're talking 12%, that's the that's the peak. That's the most the mutual fund will return any year. And then the fact that the next year, if it completely tanks the market, meaning uh, the person is protected. So I really appreciate uh, what you're doing for the marketplace and for the people. And and again, I did mention, uh, you know, and Carlos said this as well. They're up in the uh, 50s for employees working there. So you're also helping others help others. So I really appreciate that. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Um, talk about yeah. uh, how how you're duplicating this and allowing more and more people to get the uh, the concepts that helps them to protect their nest egg. No, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, right now we see um, what used to be safe has now become the new risky. Um, you know, this is my opinion, but I see it more and more around me that people are really, really getting just fed up with, with the nine-to-five grind. You know, we, the cost of living, and we live in San Diego, California, where, you know, the cost of living is higher here than, you know, pretty much 90% of the country. And, you know, when you're on a fixed income, it's just, and there's no opportunity to increase, you really start to feel that pinch. You know, right now, average real estate, you're looking at between $450,000, $500,000 here. Um, the average credit card debt per household is just a little over $16,000. You know, the average student loan debt for someone graduating college right now, you're looking at close to $40,000. And so we see that we, it's just there's a lot of things that are really shifting. So what used to be safe has now become the new risky. And so our approach to the market right now is we believe in the free enterprise system. We believe that if more people understood the psychology and the strategies of entrepreneurship, they would probably take more advantage if they knew how to do it. And so that's really something that we're really passionate about. I'm passionate about because I know what a difference it's made in my life. And if we can teach other people really how to discipline themselves and understand money from a whole different way that's ever been taught, Unlike a W-2 where you, we kind of get acclimated in trading time for money, right? When you move into entrepreneurship, into the entrepreneurial space, it's about trading value for compensation. And cool. I want to I help people do that because I believe if I can do it, I believe anybody can. Because, you know, and we say, no, business is not for everybody, but it can be. It can be if you're willing to truly investigate it and see what you can provide the marketplace. So great question. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and, and before we kind of move into a different area, um, do you have, uh, first of all, a, a quick story, one of, your, one of your stories about how you've helped, um, you know, your, your working class uh, individual and, and kind of what the result with, with using one of your products, uh, maybe help them out of another product or help them into a product and, and what that did for them? Um, or, you know, do you have one of those stories? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite stories that I like to use is uh, one of my clients by the name of Maria. Um, Maria is a client who, you know, this is your traditional middle class employee, um, you know, baby boomer, right? She just retired from Coca-Cola just a couple of years ago. And she's someone that worked for Coca-Cola Corporation for a little, almost 29 years of her life, very dedicated employee. 
you know, one of those people that went to work every day, just had great work ethic, put in the hours. And when she left Coca-Cola, they didn't do any retirement process. There was no transitional counseling like, okay, now that you're leaving work, we might want to help you get organized for the next 20, 30 years of your life, you know. So she kind of retired on a whim, um, was very, very confused. I mean, so when you're talking to baby boomers, and this is not all baby boomers, but there's many baby boomers who are still kind of anti-technology. She doesn't have a smartphone. She still actually has a flip phone, believe it or not, even to this day in 2017. Um, she doesn't have a computer. You know, she kept every pay stub over the last 29 years. Um, didn't even know she had a 401K. Didn't know how to turn on her Social Security. You know, so when I met with her, I mean, her stress level was out the roof, and anything of, that resulted in numbers and paperwork was just a very overwhelming process. So I, it was kind of in shambles. So I was able to sit with her, help her get organized, and just really started focusing on, okay, what is it that you want, you know? Don't focus on what's going on right now. What do you want? What is your outcome that you're seeking here, you know? And we just got down to, like, I just want to make sure that I can have peace of mind and, and have a daily quality of life. And I said, well, what does that look like? She said, well, I guess I still have a mortgage for another 15 years, and, you know, I'd like to do a little traveling. I don't know if I can. So make a long story short, she did not know she had a 401K. I said, so what do you have? She's like, I think I have a pension. You know, I don't know what's in it. I don't know how much I'm going to get. Um, and I have Social Security. And I said, okay, well, I helped her kind of, you know, turn on her Social Security. And uh, we called Coca-Cola Human Resources, and it turns out she had a 401K. And, uh, you know, with, with their 401K and pension, it was, you're looking at about $483,000. Now, it was a very overwhelming number. Once we put that together, she's like, oh, my God, I had no idea that I had that kind of money. Now, yeah. here's the biggest difference between us and traditional financial services, right, because most financial services is focused on accumulation, right? And that's all most people know, especially baby boomers. When they think of money and investing, they're focused on accumulation-based products, which is what's going to give me the best return, is my money going to grow? How many years is it going to grow for? But what we're starting to experience now, there's over 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every single day right now. This is a fact. You can look it up. I mean, we, we are, it's like exodus right now from, from the workforce, right? A lot of people are starting to leave and go into retirement because of the baby boomers. Now, what most baby boomers know is how to save for the future, but they do not have a concept of how to distribute Right, So we are now in, not in so much in the accumulation game, we are in the distribution game when I'm talking specifically to the baby boomer market. Baby boomers are not thinking of what the next 20 years in the market look like. They're thinking like, look, I'm retiring in two years, five years. How do I start taking this money out? How long is it going to last me? What happens if I die? How does this affect me tax-wise? Right? What is my monthly income going to look like? So I'm more of an income solution specialist. So what we did with this $483,000 is we rolled it over into an index annuity because she had it in a 401k and it was in 100% Coca-Cola stock and she's no longer working anymore. So that could be very risky in the event of a market crash. Okay, right. so we're, we're right now in August of 2017. I mean, we've been in a bullish market now about, you know, eight months into the year. And that's kind of record-breaking if you look at it, but we now see the signs. We've been around this game long enough in the last decade plus that what goes up must come down. Right. So a, a correction is coming. So baby boomers are concerned not so much with accumulation, but more importantly with preservation. 
So right. what we were able to do, for, what we were able to do with Maria is roll her money over into what we call an index annuity. And what an index annuity is is basically a contract between an individual and an insurance company. And this money is protected from market loss. So if the market were to crash, she would never lose a penny. However, if the market were to perform well, and she did this with me two years ago, she's going to participate in the gains. Now, she's not going to get 100% of the gains because technically her money's not in the market. It's tied to the S&P 500 index. So for an example, you know, when the market, if the S&P did 12%, she's not going to get 12. She actually earned just a little over 6.5%. Nothing crazy. But when you right. think about your money being protected, 6.5% is a pretty darn good interest rate compared to a CD at a bank, yeah, right? Yeah, you know? CDs, uh, yeah, I looked at them the other day, and I think it was like 0.2% of it. it was ridiculous. Yeah. So she was able to earn a great interest rate, but the main point is principal protected, and the beauty of an index annuity is that when she starts pulling this money on, because she doesn't need to touch it for a couple years, she's going to be able to withdraw about 32000 a year for the rest of her life. How much she a year? Never, 32000 Wow. Right? And this is a lifetime income stream that she will never outlive, no matter how long she lives, because one of the fears that many baby boomers have is longevity. Like, you know, and so a 401k does not protect you from longevity, nor does an IRA. So we are thinking long-term here, and so our strategy, our solution is, hey, let's protect what you've built, and when you start living, now that you're in retirement, let's ensure that you never, ever run out of money for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live. And that was the ultimate peace of mind. So what we did is we turned this 401k into a pension, pretty much, and she'll never outlive this money. Very so cool. she, that was very cool. I mean, for her to say, you know, you're telling me 32000 for the rest of my life, every year for the rest of my life, I'm yeah. in, you know. And so that's, that's, that's the peace of mind that we want to give people. I mean, she was totally, you know, we planned everything, so now she knows she has a monthly stable income for the rest of her life, and, you know, that's fantastic. That's, that's what awesome. we do here. Yeah. Amazing. And, uh, you know, aptly child difference. Uh, so I want to lead into what, uh, what the, uh, the analogy that I have and with you being on the guests on the show, uh, one of the things that I like to do is, is uh, I like to help people understand a, a certain product that a lot of people misunderstand, and I like to do that with, uh, with an analogy, and it, it changes based on who I'm with. Um, you've obviously spoken about some very uh, risk-averse products, uh, very you know, high-reward, risk-averse, uh, smart way of doing the money. And, and one of the things that I'm working on right now is, is, is uh, education on a, on a currency market. And, and so there's, uh, there's, as I see it, there's kind of three markets that uh, are, are – they have a lot of liquidity in it. Obviously, the stock market's been around for ages. There is the, um, well, the housing market would be an additional one. There's the foreign exchange market, which we say that my dollar compared to your yen or my dollar compared to your peso is, is worth more. But I, uh, there's a lot of people that kind of geek out, and, and, and there's a whole entire field of people that just change currencies back and forth and, and get the gains from the uh, volatility of the market and the, the the value of the dollar, um, and then there's another market that's re that's that's entered that's brand new and it's uh, it's the new form, and uh, you know we didn't talk before this call, but it's really one of those things that I kind of I want to enter in kind of through 
backing into this and, and ask you a few questions about and uh, just you know openly uh, discuss uh, that there's terms that that people are not familiar with. And so one of the purposes of the call uh, and different segments of the call is to get them more familiar because there's new behavior patterns that go along with our money based on this new market. So I guess on a scale of 1 to 10, Carlo, what do you know about the cryptocurrency market just on a scale of 1 to 10? Like how comfortable are you if you were to have a conversation uh, as an expert on the cryptocurrency market? Great question. You know what? I would say that's something uh, I've, that's been brought up to me this week alone a few times. I've, I've heard of Bitcoin, and I see this, a lot of articles now about cryptocurrency, but in terms of, of what, you know, it's, it's a new market. It's, it's growing a lot of steam. But I'll be honest with you, I don't know too much about it. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I'm like a 1, you know, so I don't wow. understand it too much. But I'm, I'm interested in what it's about to be doing, you know. So it's kind of picking up steam. It's very different. It's something that we don't deal with at all in the line of work that I do. But I'm curious Absolutely. as to what impact it's going to have in, in the financial services industry within the next 5 or 10 years. Awesome. Well, you know what, you uh, – you being humble enough to say that, even though for me I know you well enough to know that if some of your clients are speaking with you, uh, you're, the, you're the learner that will get as much information as you can. And so one of the things I want to do, and the service that I'm providing on this portion of the call is just really taking somebody that is, that is at a level of a one and hopefully moving them a little bit higher on the scale of understanding. And so what I want to do is just kind of paint a quick picture with a child uh, childlike approach and then kind of can build on that to more of an adolescent to adult uh, understanding of that. So, um, Carlos, just one quick thing. Uh, how old are your kids? My kids are, I have a five-year-old who just started uh, kindergarten and a three-year-old, two daughters. Okay, cool, two daughters. So do your, do your daughters ever like to go to like uh, Chuck E. Cheese or to uh, Boomers or John's Incredible Pizza? Absolutely. Okay. So back in the day, and this has changed just real recently, but it ties into this analogy. If you went to Chuck E. Cheese and you wanted to play one of their games, what did you need to do with your, what we call fiat? In this call, we'll call fiat anything like a greenback. I know this is an international podcast and people are consuming it. In, so we'll call it U.S. dollar a fiat or the old guard or the, what would you need to do with that in order for them to enjoy uh, what Chuck E. Cheese or John's Incredible has um, in order for them to enjoy the, the fun? Yeah, you'd have to you you'd have to exchange your currency for the Chuck E. Cheese currency of their tokens, which are you know they have the Chuck E. Cheese icon on them, so you can use them to play the games inside of their facilities. Awesome. So for the average user, you now know probably about thirty percent more than anybody that doesn't know anything about Bitcoin, because that is exactly what they call is is the token, and and the reason why I say that is because. Within Chuck E. Cheese, we just entered into an ecosystem. In that ecosystem, it has to have a certain currency to be used, and so within that ecosystem, we have a bit of an economy. So there is the beginning phases of what we're talking about with cryptocurrency, and again, keeping it on the childlike level. The next step of that is, is if you had leftover tokens, and this happens to me when we go, we used to drop 50 bucks or more on tokens. Sometimes kids get worn out before the tokens do. Um, so we take those currency, we might take it home for another day, but if we take those Chuck E. Cheese ecosystem tokens and we try to go to boomers, are my kids going to have very much fun? Not at all. Because boomers have their own portion of currency, right? They have their own exactly. token. Exactly. 
So here is what that looks like in a very, like I say, very basic way. We are discussing currency and truthfully currency that's been around for a long time. That's not where it kind of ends, though. The analogy doesn't stop there. The analogy goes a little deeper when we look at how similar it really is because nowadays the tokens are kind of getting replaced with something else. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. They're now being replaced with a card. So it's moved from tokens to where you put your money in and then you get gameplay. It's kind of like when I think Dave & Buster's did this one of the first. That's right. Uh, where yep. adults, adults were using it for the, you know, they're, they're adult Chuck E. Cheese, uh, but even Chuck E. Cheese is replacing theirs with, uh, with cards. So even still with that card, they can't go over to a different ecosystem and use it. And so one of the things that's occurring is, is that, well, back in the 70s, Nixon got rid of the gold standard for our, our dollar, and the Federal Reserve is printing money without it being backed by gold. True statement. Okay, yeah. cool. So that causes inflation and the deflation of the value of the dollar. And so not even getting any political topics or anything like that, uh, but what, what is uh, really curious is, is that there's a gold-backed currency that's digital. And that gold backing is Bitcoin. And so when we hear about Bitcoin, that is only uh, one part of that. So it's kind of like the dollar being backed by Bitcoin. The altcoins is really your different ecosystems. So there's alternative coins, which is the overall cryptocurrency field with Bitcoin being the backbone of that. Is that all making sense? It absolutely crystal clear. Very interesting. Great analogy. It, it, it tends to work, but here's where I get kind of excited because one of the things that's occurring is, is it's created a whole exchange market similar to the stock exchange or the foreign exchange. There is different uh, programmable money that's being programmed right now, and what people are doing, and the reason why um, I was just looking at the liquidity is up so high is because with volatility and the deflation value of what we call the fiat currency, it caused a whole lot of money to flow into the value, and it's a bullish market over in the cryptocurrency world right now, too. So scarcity is, scarcity is at work because imagine if there was only 21 million tokens available in the world for Bitcoin. That is the case. So it's not like they can just do what the Federal Reserve is doing with our fiat currency creating as much money as they need to that's not gold back, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. Interesting. Here's the thing that occurs with that, though. With only 21 million and a whole lot of uses, that's the next portion of an ecosystem, similar to going to Chuck E. Cheese's if there was no, there was no uh, games to be played, right? That currency would have no value, correct? Correct. This last Sunday, my son wanted a portion on his uh, CSGO, uh, or it might have been Minecraft. Well, my card wasn't clearing through. Uh, I didn't want it to come out of one account, and so what I decided to do instead is I took my phone, and Steam is the, is the video gaming world that he uses. I was able to transfer out of my phone, my wallet, some cryptocurrency in the form of Bitcoin to pay for the thing that he wanted, $25 something that he wanted on his uh, Minecraft or uh, Combat Strike Force game. So there's a vendor that uh, would be an early adopter because they're video game and they're techie and that kind of stuff. But when you have companies like Dell Computers, you can take a Bitcoin and purchase your Dell computer. Actually, take uh, 
you know, it, it actually be, depending on what the computer is, it would probably be a lot less than the Bitcoin because uh, as of today, the Bitcoin value is about $3,400 for one Bitcoin. Um, the flights, there's a Virgin, uh, Virgin uh, Flights accepts Bitcoin. Sacramento Kings Stadium uh, for watching a game, Bitcoin. Uh, Amazon, there is a ton of vendors, and that opens you up to a new ecosystem that's now accepting Bitcoin, but that's only where it starts. There is uh, so many advantages to a programmable currency. The nice thing is, is it doesn't matter who, which government decides whether or not it's going to go. Um, it doesn't affect the market because other governments accept it, or other governments can't shut it all down. You'd have to have a worldwide governmental blackout of the internet for this to get, to disappear. And even then, as soon as they turn the switch back on the internet, the currency has the value again. So it's kind of crazy like that. So very, that is kind yeah, of that's very interesting. Yeah, and, you know, and it has happened, by the way. I do want to kind of give a quick uh, because again. I don't always have an opportunity to do this because you're financially minded, but uh, China a few years, uh, about, about a year and a half ago, I think, they did affect the market by saying Bitcoin is illegal. And China kind of has the, the guards, the old guards, so they're able to do, and they're capable of trying to do that. And Bitcoin dropped about $800 uh, in its value. But it quickly reset itself, and now that China is on board with it, then they're kind of driving a whole lot of money into the cryptocurrency uh, market anyway. So... Uh, not a whole lot of details included in that example, but, you know, that's an example of when a country can do that. It, it, it actually, you know, it, it stabilizes in the end anyway. So it, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a crazy new world in that sense. There is a whole lot more down the rabbit hole that we could do, but this is, uh, you know, this is the portion of adoption. And so, I, you know, I, I guess what I want to do is come back to you, Carlo, is before we talked and I kind of gave the analogy, what was your kind of understanding of, of uh, Bitcoin. Well, actually, let me do one more quick thing. Uh, before I ask that question that I asked at the beginning, I want to want to see if you have uh, have a little bit more uh, tech uh, patience with me because I can get too techy before for that. But uh, do you have about tech uh, about three minutes of tech patience with me? Absolutely. I'm and I'm okay. understanding. It's very it's very clear what you're saying. I think you know. I would say for the common sense mind, you, you should be able to pick up on the analogies that you're talking about the the cryptocurrency with Bitcoin. Awesome. Well, that's my goal is to make it as, as, as easy to understand as possible. Here's what, what is really occurring when you use this crypto, which is cryptography is basically a bunch of numbers and uh, letters that represent the coin itself, and that's what you transfer uh, over the interweb. interweb. Um, what is actually occurring is, is people are uh, – there is a group of supercomputers in the world that are called miners, and what cryptocurrency is built on is, is what we call blockchain. And what it is, it's basically a public ledger. So when you're working with a bank with your fiat currency and you make a purchase, that goes back and it goes on a public le it goes on a private ledger and it's the bank's ledger. The thing that makes cryptocurrency so powerful is, is that it's a public ledger. If I was to spend something and buy something in Taiwan across the pond, so to speak, that would be verified multiple times and as soon as it was verified multiple times to make sure this wasn't a fraudulent purchase immediately that would verify and the person would receive it and I would receive whatever I purchased which is 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 just a mind-blowing concept it's called the blockchain so it's a public verification ledger uh, so that's that's kind of the piece that holds everything together and it's very profitable for people to mine the bitcoins 
in the beginning, because the value of Bitcoin was only in the $3 or less range, and there was a lot less value to it. But now when somebody turns over a Bitcoin, as of today, that the, you know, if they get awarded the Bitcoin for doing the mining, uh, that'd be worth $3,500. So, or $3,400. So that's, uh, it's kind of an interesting concept there because uh, when we're exchanging money, you and I, it would be a fiat currency exchange and only one ledger. This is actually absolutely there to make sure that everything is above water and that, that this is, a, this is uh, not a fraudulent uh, purchase. The other advantage with that is that if something does start to look fraudulent or anything is off in that purchase, then it immediately makes everything null and void, and there is no purchase that is make, made. So it's just a, it's really a fail-safe a situation. So anyways, that's the last three minutes of the tech that I'll get into. But uh, public ledger really may, has a lot of advantages. So the, the magical question is, is between, uh, between this, I don't know, 25-minute portion of the vote talking about this, or maybe less, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your understanding of what Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is before we, then before we have the conversation on a scale of 1 to 10? Carlo, are you there still? Oh, can you hear me? Sorry, I had you on mute. Do you can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I muted out, so yeah. we'll just edit that portion. No problem. No worries. So so I I would say, you know, from a one to ten, you brought me to about a six. So, you know, based on the analogies and now I really understand. Uh, obviously it raises more questions, which you know I don't know if we have time for then. Um but um, this is so a cryptocurrency, obviously this is not a physical coin. This is something that exists through a media of exchange only through the web, correct? Well, it is physical in the sense that you can put it on a hard, um, you could put it in a hard wallet. So you could take the code and put it down on paper and it could exist like that. And a lot of people do that. But yes, it is uh, programmable and that's, um, that's where your financial idea comes through is, is this is a non-hackable Programmable, programmable, bleh. let me try that again. I'll edit that part out. This is a non-hackable programmable coin that has value as agreed upon by the public ledger. Wow. The advantage over paper money is, is that paper money can still be forged and the government charges its people money so that they can, they can uh, overcome the, the uh, counterfeit factor. This is one that can't be counterfeited. So money only has value if the market agrees that it has value. So kind of leading into that question is, is, is this real? A lot of times when somebody gets, um, gets into this, they're like, well, this is, uh, this is a bunch of groupings of numbers and letters that, that represent a, a value. You're absolutely right. On the other hand, it's non-hackable, and your paper is just paper money. True. And so what could be the implications of this over the next, decade plus uh, is this something that could feasibly grow because we do have a limited amount of bitcoin out there right i mean this can you know though this is the the ownership aspect of this obviously we start at three dollars now it's worth you said thirty four hundred thirty five hundred dollars per bitcoin i mean That's i can only see going going more in equity i can i can only see like wow one bitcoin is now ten thousand dollars right you know you're such a fast study because uh, most of the time people take weeks before they get their head around what you're saying right there. Because it's limited, and you know what that means, it means the, uh, the lim like, just like with gold, because it's a rare, rare metal. 
it absolutely is growing in value, and there's a there's the scarcity of it. So yes, the predictions are, and and I make uh, I make the disclaimer right here that I'm not offering the financial advice over my podcast. There's a forum for that elsewhere, but the idea here is is that. Um, a lot of people are predicting if you hold a Bitcoin right now, 10 years from now, you're a millionaire. Interesting. The, 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 uh, the amount of capital that's flowing through this right now, if I look at, uh, at today alone, the liquidity and the amount of capital that's going through uh, is over $1.5 trillion being traded back and forth on, uh, on Bitcoin as a coin alone, let alone to say nothing about the amount of uh, liquidity in the other coin markets. Right. So it's obvious right now that the strategy would be with Bitcoin is as a great buy and hold strategy because, you know, this is something, you know, 10 years down the line. I mean, this could be a huge buy low, sell high, you know, amazingly high. Yeah. So I have a little bit of a math. Are you at a place where you have a calculator? Mm -hmm. So absolutely. And, and here's a little bit of a story that goes with that. Um, some of the people, the early adopters, the very first thing that was physical that was purchased with the Bitcoin was a Papa John's pizza. Interesting. Okay. The and the first thing, that, and this was before it was even $3 in a value, it was, uh, it's actually, uh, there's a date, and it's very big in the cryptocurrency world. I think, it, I want to say it's March 17, and I can do the math. I can go back 2011 or something like that. So we're talking only six years ago. Um, buy and hold strategy for this individual would have been very wise, but it makes for an amazing story. He bought his first pizza, and the story is legendary because he paid 10,000 Bitcoin for it. Wow. So this was, I was telling the story last month, and this $10,000, or 10,000 Bitcoin, not dollars, 10,000 Bitcoin back then was about $24 million, right? Yeah. Two pizzas, is actually two pizzas for 10,000. So today, at 3,400, it's $34 million worth of Bitcoin that was purchased. And so that's just to kind of open the eyes of people to see what the multipliers look like right here. Exactly. So the buy and hold is a good idea. The buy and uh, spend with Bitcoin instead of using other currency is that behavior change that I talked about, uh, that financial mm -hmm. behavior change. Um, it's a shift. It's, um, it, it's not as technical as people talk about. Uh, but the beauty of it is, is that uh, as things get more volatile, the currency's value doesn't deflate. This is a currency, and almost if you wanted to look at it, like how stocks re increase with their value, uh, but it's a currency and almost a stock that, that people are putting trust in as well. And it's decentralized, and so that's the other reason why you can't go and attack. The government couldn't shut it down. They can't attack any central portion of this. It would, uh, it would have to be that they completely wiped out the Internet for Bitcoin to lose its value. Which one, which one ever happened? They won't. No, they couldn't. They couldn't afford to do it. They'd have to use the very device, the internet, in order to do it. So they'd bring it back online, and Bitcoin would immediately repair itself. Interesting. So. Yeah, and I guess one question I would have: Well, if if it's if it's already, you know, and I believe you told me the number was about 21 million Bitcoin that are currently out in the marketplace as we speak. You know. Yep. So is is why? And if you can explain to me, why not? What would, what would prevent it from it kind of like, you know, the dollar where we can just go print more? Okay, that's good. What, what, so would, I, what would prevent it from saying, well, why not just go and make another $21 million? 
So this is really interesting. I don't want to sound like um, too much of a, uh, the, the technical side because it is an early adopters portion of this, but I think this is really has a great, this is what a lot of people think. There's actually closer to 16 million in, market, in uh, supply right now. And this is what kind of is a little bit, uh, might blow your mind if you get it, and if it doesn't uh, blow your mind, it might be because it's not quite, uh, the grasp of it isn't there. There is only 16 million, in the, in, and it's actually closer to, because people have lost computers that have it stored on the, some of the early adopters, so I don't want to get into the how much is really in circulation, uh, but it, it gets more exciting when you realize some of them is even out of, out of uh, circulation. The program that was written, a new Bitcoin is, bo is born every 10 to 12 minutes, and that's through the mining and the verification on that public ledger that gets awarded to the miners. So there's really not 21 million out there yet. There's only 16 million. And so at okay. the time that it hits, so that's the key thing, is, is every 10 to 12 minutes, that is where a new Bitcoin is birthed. That, that now has a, a new Bitcoin that enters the marketplace. It's insane if you think about it. It's just like a totally kind of mind-blowing way that this is set up. From there, it will grow until eventually that time frame gets spread out more and more until – and this is just kind of advanced math, about 11 years from now, the very last Bitcoin will come into market. What your question is, is a very good question, why somebody doesn't duplicate it. Well, it all is a part of an ecosystem. And if I don't agree that your currency has value, then you don't have anything that has value. But the world is agreeing, and different economies are agreeing, that Bitcoin has currency. You could... Interesting. You could, I mean, the, the thing about cryptocurrency is you don't need to work with a bank. You could have a cell phone and be able to have currency as a result of that. That's so pretty eye-opening when you think about it. And, and, and a game changer where a lot of people might have heard stories about Bitcoin, this and that. Yeah, it's actually a very eye-opening thing because there's a lot of countries where people are, are, are days away from visiting the bank, but if there's a cell tower that gets dropped off by a company, because that's how they're doing it, they now have a cell phone that can be linked into this cryptocurrency and anonymously start to better their life because now they have a means to go ahead and have value. It's just uh, mind-blowing. Look, I was listening to a call. This is a, just kind of a sidebar. I was listening to a, car, a call from an Afghanistan uh, a woman who was uh, voted one of the top 100, I think she was uh, one of the top 100 time uh, most influential people in the world. And her story is, is that she was in Afghanistan uh, late teen, early, like I think she was turned 18 and started working with the U.S. government, and they started to do some training for her. And so she started then turning around and tra training other Afghani women. Well, I, you know about the culture. I, I know you're a former Marine and um, – and thank you, by the way, for your service. Uh, but the Afghanistans have come through and worked with our, our, uh, our DOD for years now, and she was able to better herself. But the Afghanistan culture does not allow a woman to hold the economy of the culture. And they'll actually have a high level of, of, um, of scrutiny and actually even kind of almost a mafia-based uh, neighborhood watch system that's that's watching to make sure that the culture is preserved and i'm not speaking out against any culture but but i am speaking about for the lifestyle and the opportunities for for a woman and in this culture she actually later started to work with cryptocurrency and it made too much sense for her because their 
form of, a gov uh, form of economy is actually a ledger. And so it made total sense to her. She said, well, you know, now that I understand the Internet, and this is somebody that, again, they keep it so um, sheltered that when she hit Google, she educated herself by asking Google a bunch of questions. It was this box that gave her all these questions. Well, I'm not telling her story and not doing it justice, but what I will say is, is that as soon as she was able to own cryptocurrency, it was not it was not capable for her husband, her father, to take away her money that she was earning in her career. And that is life-changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, hmm. so I'm curious as to, because of this, uh, what could be some negative ramifications through government regulation, um, you know, someone kind of, because this is a powerful, powerful strategy that, can only grow and there's only going to be a finite number so correct me if I'm wrong but this is probably because there's only going to be a finite number of Bitcoin ever made this is not ever going to replace you know regular everyday currency on you know how we trade yeah hold, hold that question for just a second for me I'm back. Sorry about that. All good. So I'll edit, I'll edit it from your question in. So the question, if I understand it, is, is that because there's only a finite amount, then there's really not going to be a replacement of this for fiat currency. I would say that there's different schools of camp, and I don't think that that's really uh, at the heart of the majority of the people, uh, their goals. But what I will say is, is that there is some schools of, of thought and this will take a second to pull this analogy out. There's some schools of thought that said, man, my VCR, why would I ever put a stupid disc that can get scratched in a player? Well, how many VHS do you own now, Carlo? Yeah, zero. <laughs> I don't think it will go to that extreme anytime uh, in the near future, but it's happening pretty rapidly that a lot of the money that's being invested in the stock market is now being reallocated into the uh, cryptocurrency market. That's what is allowing so much, uh, like I say, liquidity into the market. Um, there is, uh, there's a lot of advantages to programmable money. And, and one thing that, you know, your question, if I, wanted, if I could return back to it, is, is that what gives this value is the same thing that gives your bank's value. You know, when you go in there and you're checking your balance online, you're not really looking at your money that's physically sitting in there. You're looking at the bank's ledger of your money. It is, it's programmed, but it's not cryptically, you know, it's not cryptography programmed, but it's programmed in there. It's ones and zeros that are programmed in there to represent your money. Right. So there is, uh, there's a little bit of that that's in, in there. So, um, the thing that, that governments will be begin to, to, to take note of is, is I think, if anything, what you're going to end up seeing is an adoption by bigger gang, banks uh, to do this. Um, there's a, a project out there. It's an alternative coin that's called Ripple. And what okay. Ripple does, Ripple allows people to, to do the, let's say, uh, there's, a, there's a few countries around the world, like Venezuela right now, um, not business, forgive me, um, I'm going to scratch this portion. I was going to go the direction of Argentina right now. Um, 
but uh, there's a few countries like Greek, for example, where their their company their country. From my understanding of it, there was uh, enough of a, a, a negative balance in their country's ledger that they went to private homes and basically informed the people that they would be taking their, their money, their hard-earned cash that they've saved for all these years in order to help the country, the overall pre, uh, country out of, uh, out of the hole. And that's wow. insane to me. But, uh, you know, the old guard is, is uh you know, I'm not one of those big, huge fanatics, but there's definitely some corruption going on when uh, something can be called the Federal Reserve and be allowed to print up whatever they want to print up, you know. And our, go- our, our government agrees with it and can uh, can only so for so long um, can, can only uh, hang their hat on it. One thing I will say, and, and the more I look at this, the more incredible it looks like, is, is there is a whole economy built on this digital currency. And uh, in my lifetime, my money has only ever lost value. Now, I've got products, obviously, I'm invested in that has gained value, but it's the product gaining its value. It's not the money itself gaining value in that product. You guys, uh, when we came to get the education at the Difference Financial, uh, one of the things that you brought up is, is if your money isn't beating inflation, then you're really um, you're not breaking even your investments. True. And so... One thing that I can tell you right now is, is that, uh, for me personally, every every Bitcoin that I've ever purchased, not just because of the bull market, but uh, because of the qualities of the Bitcoin, has produced extra extra money. You know, because the value has increased; it's only increased. Um, that's uh, that is returning back to your principle of what goes up must come down. And yes, there's market corrections that happen, just like what you're saying. Uh, but that's how this kind of is very similar to a stock where it goes up and then it market corrects. It goes up and it market corrects. The beautiful thing about it is it's similar to Amazon where it can correct, but the value of the company just continues to grow and grow and grow, or Alphabet, a.k.a. Google, right? The value of right. the company continues to grow and grow and grow. So that's, uh, that's exciting stuff going on right now. So uh, we'll probably edit out quite a bit of the, uh, the deeper Discussion, question and answer with someone like yourself that understands finance. It's, it's valuable. I'll probably, yeah. uh, you repurpose it. So, um, but yeah. So. Oh, it's really is, good, man. It's a, it's pretty interesting too. I'm curious to see, you know, uh, where this goes. Obviously, there's a whole new market built around this with a lot of opportunity. Um, I'm curious to see how the traditional financial services industry adopts Bitcoin into its everyday workings. Yeah, well, you know, and since we've talked, there's been a lot of things that I've been working on myself. Um, you know, I've come up with some ideas with, like, hedge coins um, where you're – well, number one, like, you know, I don't, you've heard of the Winklevice twins, right, the ones that, uh, that the, um, you know, Facebook, Facebook. developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All about it, yep. So one market correction that occurred uh, was that they went and tried to do an index off of, uh, of cryptocurrency. And so that you could on the the, the uh, S and P five um, yeah it was S and P five hundred I think that they attempted to put the uh, the value of that uh, hedge or that index so that you could actually uh, invest as a public investor on the on the uh, S and P and that was actually it went all the way up and it was denied and the day that it was denied crypto dropped four hundred and then by noon it had already refer- it already returned so wow. um, but yeah no it's a uh, to me, I think uh, 
one of the things. So I, I kind of want to talk to you about my strategy, uh, if you're open to that. Yeah. What are you looking to do? It. I want to do 12 of these these type of programs. And uh, one thing we didn't get into is, is the alternative coins. But okay. there's a lot of projects that are similar to IPOs. They call them ICOs, initial coin offerings. Wow. And there's so much interest in the marketplace that I think the record right now is, is in in a 30 minute time period there was over 35 million dollars raised with an ICO. Wow. So the uh, the thing is is that a lot of people are not educated, and so what I want to do is, is I want to have the coin media uh, the coin mania podcast. And the purpose of the Coin Mania podcast is one portion that I'll be involved in is, is number one, I'll be educating somebody on a on an alternative coin, alternative an alternative is everything other than Bitcoin basically, and its uses, and then it will transition to the adoption portion. That was the portion that we were just on right now, that yes, segment, and then it will transition to driving traffic from the show to. Um, you know, some free report that I have on my website to start gathering the, the uh, memberships uh, so that, you know, merch is one part of that, but also the other part of that is, is I want to filter people to, are they interested in financial products? Are they interested in real estate? Because crypto real estate is, uh, is possible with this. Uh, cryptocurrency in itself is a smart contract. And so, uh, you know, I'm not going to get too much into that, but honestly, I want to uh, filter people into different uh, channels to allow them to, you know, not the passive, uh, but the active investing. So the home gamers, you know, the ones that have, like myself, kind of have the 401k thing going on, but also giving them opportunity to uh, to educate themselves and see what other, like, you know, more short-term, but opportunities that they can invest in. So that's uh, that's the direction. Yeah, the, uh, pod- 